Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 33 of N, SSH Bookmarks. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials I wrote over at bartb.ie forward slash ttt. This originally aired as part of Nasillacast episode 520, hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Bart Bouchotts, and the other voice you're about to hear is Alison Sheridan, host of the Nasillacast podcast. We're, we're wrapping up. We're, we're finishing off with just a little bit of... Um, optimization, a little bit of saving ourselves some energy just to make our use of SSH a little bit easier. At this stage, we know why we want to, we know what we can do with it, and now we're just going to make our lives a little bit easier before we finish up. Okay. So, in effect, this is all about bookmarks. Now, they're not really called bookmarks, but as far as I'm concerned, the effect of all of these things is to make it easier for you to do things, which I think is bookmarking. So, we're going to do it on the command line, and then we're going to talk briefly about some GUI apps that I happen to use and like. Okay. So every time you run an SSH command, what SSH actually does in the background, and it takes a millisecond or two because they're computers and they're fast, is it looks to see if you have an SSH config file defined. And specifically, first it looks for a system-wide SSH config file, which it would be in slash etc slash SSH slash SSH underscore config, should it exist. And then it looks in your home directory for one called tilde slash dot SSH slash config. And if that file exists, it looks in there to see if there's an entry in that file for the computer name you're trying to connect to. And if there is, it will use all the information in there to make the connection. And so what that means is that if you always use the same username and so forth to go to a certain host, you can just stick that stuff in the config file, and then you'll never have to type it again. Oh, okay. So the config file allows you to Instead of saying, you know, minus username, minus all these kind of things, you can just put it all in the config file and then just SSH to the computer and it will pick up all the details from the config file. So let's look at how they work. They're wonderfully simple files. And a little, a little secret, myself and Alison used one of these last week because I don't run my SSH server that Alison played on last time. Uh, I don't run it on the standard port. And therefore, I gave Alison this file and said, install this file, I'll tell you about it next week. <laughs> And Alison did. And in, a, and in a really, yeah, I think you're the one doing the trusting that you let somebody as careless as I am into your server, but <clears throat> you were watching as we did it. As I, I was recall. watching. <laughs> uh, so Alison has already used one of these files, uh, and hopefully by the end of this, I'll have convinced you that it's worth taking five or ten minutes to set them up and then saving yourself time forevermore. Okay. So the syntax is very straightforward. So the file you're going to use, you're not going to do it at a system level. Chance are you going to do it in your own home directory because that's just easier. So tilde slash dot ssh forward slash config is the file name. So you'd open that in your favorite text editor. And then to create an, a bookmark effectively for any particular host. So if you remember, the commands are always ssh user at some name. So whatever that some name is, is what is going to be searched for in this file. So you start off a section by saying host with a capital H and then whatever some name is. And then you follow that with one with options one line at a time, saying what you want to set for that host. It's purely a convention, but you generally indent the option so that you can sort of look down the file and see where a new host starts. Hmm. But you don't have to. That's just being tidy. <laughs> and if you'd like to throw in some comments, you just start the line with the pound sign, as you guys call it, or the hash symbol, as we call it. Okay. Uh, each option then is, you can specify it in one of three ways. So you can say option name, space, option value, but that will only work if there's no spaces in the option value. 
If there are spaces, then you can say option name space and then inside double quotes, whatever the value is with all its spaces. Or you can say option name equals and then the value with all its spaces in it. Okay. But usually there's no spaces. So to be honest, option name space, option value. Okay. So there but we don't know what option we don't know what yeah. the options are, right? We will in a moment. Okay. So there are lots of them, is the first thing I will say. Pretty much anything you can do with SSH, you can configure in these option in these config files. So if you want to see everything, there's actually a man page only for this config file. So mm-hmm. it's man SSH underscore config, and wow. it will tell you everything about this config file. Hmm. That's actually something we probably haven't mentioned before, that a lot of man pages are about files, not about commands. I didn't know so that. If, yeah. And you'll often see at the bottom of a man page a list of other man pages that are related to it. And so if you look at the SSH one, you'll see that there's an entry for SSH underscore config. Okay. So I'm going to look at just the ones that relate to the stuff we've talked about. All right. And so the first and almost obvious one is user with a capital U. Specify the username you'd like to use. So if you put, say, host, you know, whatever, Bart's web server, and then on the next line, user Allison, then you could just type SSH Bart's web server and not put username at because it will find that in the config file. Hmm. Okay. The next, the next one is probably the single most commonly used one is port with a capital P, which is the one we used last week because my server is not on port 22. So you, so instead of you having to type that every time, I made you say host and then the name of my web server, port, and then the port number. Which meant that you could just type SSH Allison at my web server and it would automatically go to the right port. So we didn't put my password in that though. All we have is host, host, your web server, and then port and the the real port. Right, because the passwords are taken care of by the SSH keys. Mm. Right, 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 right. So this is in addition to, right? Okay, okay. That's what I was was getting stuck on was I thought I'd see that in here. I forgot about those key files. Okay, got it. The next one is actually really cool. You can specify the real host name. And this is what really turns these into bookmarks. So you could say SSH Steve PC, and as long as you had a host name option in here, you, that would work because you would say the host name for Steve PC is actually Steve's IP address or stevepc.local domain or whatever the actual name of Steve's PC is. Would he have to have a uh, static IP if I did it by IP though, right? He, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever it is you put in there would obviously have to stay the same. So it's probably more useful actually for your web server, which you can also SSH to. You might have a shortcut, you know, Podfeed Web or something. So you just say SSH Podfeed Web, and it would know that that was actually the full address or the uh, IP address of your web server. Uh, okay. So you can literally make little bookmarks. So you can give them a little alias. Uh, nice, nice. Then all the stuff we talked about last week, all of that X11 forwarding and stuff, you can configure all of that in here too. So you could say forward x11 equals yes, and that is equivalent to minus capital X. You can say forward x11 trusted equals yes, which is equivalent to minus capital Y. You can say the local forward port number space host colon port, and that's your minus capital L for port forwarding. And your minus capital D is dynamic forward space port number. So everything we did last week, you could also do in these files. Let's, Let's make it a bit more specific, though. So the single most important, the most likely reason you are to need one of these files, rather than to want one, but to need one, is if you're doing OrSync over SSH and the port number is not 22. Because the SSH command, you're going to say minus P port number, and that will work fine. But the OrSync command doesn't allow you to specify a port. 
So the only way you can make a certain port be used if you're doing OrSync is with one of these files. Hmm. So I have an example in the show notes. So imagine you have a server called myorsyncserver.com and it's running in port 2222. The only way you're going to OrSync to there is if you create one of these files and have it at host space myorsyncserver.com port 2222. That isn't an obscure possibility. I come across it quite regularly, actually. It's one of those questions that you often see asked where people say, so I've moved my SSH off port 22 because I was getting lots of script kiddies attacking my server, and now I can't do my backups anymore. Help. Okay. And this is the answer. Does that really stop the script kiddies from trying? Most of those attacks are automated. They're just checking the internet for port 22. Well, I know, but if they're not getting through... Why would they would still be checking for port twenty two, wouldn't they? Whether I moved it or not. Yeah, but there's no, if you move it, there's nothing on port twenty two. Yeah, but so if, they can't possibly guess your username and password because okay, so so you're saying it, it's a way of of making it less likely they could crack in. It right. doesn't stop yeah. them from trying. Correct, but it will look it. to okay. them like you don't have SSH. Oh, okay, okay, but since so it's automated, they won't stop trying. Correct, but what it does, so I've noticed this in my log files. If I leave my SSH on port 22, I see like 100 attempts a day okay. to log in with, you know, as user. And you see them trying, you know, user Bob, user Allison. Actually, Allison's in there, Allison. Oh, um, I should probably stop doing that. Yeah, so the, all these common names like Bob and Allison, and actually Bart is in there too, which is annoying. Uh, but really, <laughs> all of these common names, and they just try to log in with common passwords. And so if, once you move it off 22, it just goes to effectively to zero. Why does it go to zero? If it's automated, they should keep trying. Well, no, because what they're doing is they're trying every IP on port 22. They're not trying every port on each IP because there's 60-something thousand ports. It would take forever. So but, if they don't find but if you it's on automated, 22, they give up. Well, why do they give up? You think they... Well, because the internet... Okay, because it's, it's like you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun all the weaker people. Okay. No, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm confused. As I picture, if I've got an automatic script running, it's not actually getting information back that something didn't work, but maybe it does. Maybe once this script kitty... Well, no. So the way it would work is that they're not targeting you, right? Mm-hmm. They're targeting, they're just trying to find people with OpenSSH servers. Right, but so if why would they stop you, trying no, to port. find you? Why? So, so script kitty A tries, to, tries port 22, how does that stop... Script Kitty B from trying port 22. They would still it try. It, you're right, it doesn't. What I'm saying is if you move it off 22, you don't see any tries anymore. Because they're still trying you, but you're not even logging it because it hasn't achieved anything. You're not logging it. Thank you. That's what I was yeah, looking sorry, for. It never reaches it's the still SMH happening. Problem, right? It doesn't stop it from happening. It just stops you from having to see it and think about it. Right, yeah, because yes. Got so it, got it, got it. Computer, okay. Port 22 isn't even open. No connection is ever made. Nothing happens. Okay, I'm with you now. Okay, sorry, we get, yeah, sorry. I should have been clear about that. So that's why you might need one of these files. But I'm saying to you that even if you don't need one, maybe you want one. I want one. I don't have one. So the example I have given in the show notes is imagine you have an awkwardly named server, which I have called this is a really long name.com. And imagine it's running in port 2222 and that the sysadmin doesn't like you and gave you the username of rhododendron, which is hard to spell. <laughs> right? Possible. We we used to name our servers after fish back when there were fewer of them, and and I insisted that one be called Humu Humu Nuku Nuku Apua. Oh my! God. And then we gave it to somebody we didn't like. 
Oh, we have a policy of, of um, herbaceous plants. Um, well, of plants, basically. <laughs> right. And I want, I, it has been a running joke for the last 10 years that I want to give someone a server called rhododendron, but I have been told I may not. <laughs> anyway. All right. So if you had this, if the system didn't like you, you would have to type SSH rhododendron at this is a really long name dot com minus P2222. Every time you SSH really long it. And annoying. Don't you just get a text expander snippet for that? That will be one solution. <laughs> okay. Another solution will be to use one of these little files, which in which case I could reduce that whole thing to SSH my server. Ah. And the exact syntax to do that is shown there. So host my server, host name, this is a really long name.com, user, rhododendron, port 2222. Look at that. Look at that. That's fun. So effectively, the hostname directive lets you create little aliases or nicknames for your servers. I like it. Now, the final bit of magic here is that the host directive accepts wildcards. Hmm. So you can, so it accepts two of them. It's a star, which means zero or more of anything, or question mark, which means exactly one of anything. Now, the most useful one is a star. So imagine you work for a large organization and you have the same username on every server in that organization's domain. You could say hoststar.mycompany.com, user, whatever your username is, and then you just never have to type the username. You just go SSH on whatever computer you want to go to. Cool. There we go. So that I like is... It. I like it, I like it, I like it. Yeah, that is SSH config files. They're not complicated. Sometimes you will need them, but even if you don't, they may save you a lot of effort. So I thought we should talk about them. Yeah, that, I, I could definitely see the use of that. I'm trying to think... You know, I've had trouble with things like where I've tried to, when I had my VPN server set up at my house and I wanted to uh, come in from the outside and then get to a file on, say, Steve's PC, Steve's Mac, and I couldn't because I didn't know where it was. But if I had set up one of these config files on my Mac, it would have known, it would be storing that information that I figured out when I was sitting at home. Yes, exactly. So, you, yeah, yeah, because you'll have made the bookmark and then mm -hmm. it'll keep working. Yeah. Right, right, right. So you don't have to remember. Your computer's remembering. And they're better at that. Well, they're better at that than I am, anyway. <laughs> so the, the obvious second thing we should mention here is that this same functionality can be achieved in another way. There are many SSH GUI clients out there, and they allow you to create little bookmarks where you put in all the information, and then it just give it a name, and then you just click on the name, and hey, presto, it all works automatically. And... I was too lazy to, slash, really couldn't be bothered to check out every single one on the planet and try to tell you which one is best. <laughs> so what I thought I'd do instead is just tell you the ones that I actually use. Okay. And in, in the case of two of them, the ones I actually spent my money on. So there's, I have some skin in the game. So the first one I use, which is, I have these in the order of, of how often I use them, actually. So the one that I use day in, day out on all of my Macs, at home and in work, is Jellyfish with two S's. So I just checked, and you must have told us about that a long time ago, because when I went to buy it, it said I already owned it, so I just downloaded it again. I, I am sure if at some stage you ever asked me what app should I use, I'm sure I told you that. <laughs> it's a very, it's a three euro and forty nine cent in the OS ten app store. It used to be free, but actually, I think it used to be free, and then the developer kind of said, "I really didn't have time for this," and then someone went, "Why don't you make some money?" And I went, "Oh, that's a good idea." And so now it's a cheap app, and I think that's just fine. I think developers deserve money. Yeah, that's only $4 in U.S. money. Yeah, which is, you know, two cups of coffee, or one very big cup of coffee with fancy stuff in it. 
right? <laughs> That's right. That's what I get. So it, it's not it's it's not the world's most complicated app because what it actually does is it uses terminal that app to create the actual windows where you're SSHing into. So it is literally just managing your bookmarks. Hmm. Anything we could set in those uh, in that config file, we can set through this GUI, including all the X11 forwarding and the port forwarding and all that kind of stuff. And what I really like about it is that it allows you to specify different color schemes and stuff for each terminal window. And so at the very most simplistic level, what I do is live servers, which I should not blow up, are bright red. (laughs) Test servers that I may blow up are bright green. Okay, that's funny. (laughs) Honestly, it really works because the mnemonic is if I'm on a red background with white text, tread carefully. If I'm on a green background, have at it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's there for, right? Right. Uh, And the other thing which I have actually taken the time to do, especially in work, is you can specify a custom background image. And so I have a template that I use where I have the server name in massive writing. It's only like a 10% opacity or something, but it's in massive writing across the whole window. And then an icon in the top right corner that's also very opaque, very transparent, uh, of the OS, which means that when you go into quick look and all of your windows zoom down to tiny size those really dim things become really visible and you can just click to the right server. Oh, that's really tricky. Yeah, and so because it's almost transparent, it doesn't distract you from the actual text you're working on in the terminal. It's just when you zoom out, it becomes obvious. Oh, that's a slick idea. So is that the main reason you would use uh, a tool like Jellyfish instead of writing these up uh, by hand in, in the terminal? Uh, that and the fact that it pops a little icon in your, in your menu bar where you can just click on it and then click on the name of the server. Okay, okay. And what it also does is it lets you group your shortcuts. So I have a group called DNS servers, a group called file servers, a group called, well, I have lots of groups. So it's easier you know, to f- jump into one. Exactly. So I just go click DNS server, that's the one I want, and away you go. Okay, very so cool. That, yeah, that's why I use it. It is purely, it is because Faster. of the custom skinning and because it gives me a nice quick launcher for my SSH windows. And I spend an awful, awful lot of time in SSH windows. <laughs> Honestly, uh, my desk, there is at least four of them open at any one time. Wow. And I have a 27-inch Mac, so they're well spread out. Lots of room. Um, The other one, the next one that I would use the most commonly is, basically, I would only use it when I'm traveling, but nonetheless, there are times you need it, and when you need it, it's absolutely invaluable, is an iOS app called Prompt2 from our good friends at Panic Software, who we keep on plugging. Mm Mm-hmm. For the simple reason they make great software. Uh, this one is €4.99, so I'm guessing that's probably five ninety nine dollars or something. Dollars. Uh, or 50 or something. I think view in iTunes. Bring it up, bring it up. Four ninety nine. dollars huh. Oh, interesting. Price. Yeah. Which means more expensive for us because that's more, <laughs> that's more than $5. Anyway. Yeah. Again, it's... No, it's, it's a beautifully made app because that's what Panic are good at. Um... So your typical keyboard in iOS is not actually very SSH friendly because you need a lot of control C's and all these kind of things. And there is no control key on (laughs) iOS. Right. But basically this app just adds extra UI that allows you to do things like hit the control key, hit the escape key. And also actually it puts the symbols you use most often up there for you so they don't actually have to get them in the keyboard. And that would be particularly pipe is obviously spectacularly handy because that's awfully messy to find in the iOS keyboard. Right, right. And so it's just basically they have taken, and tab, tab is another one that's very important that you're not going to just find in the iOS keyboard. So what they've done is they've worked around, they've elegantly worked around the shortcomings of iOS when it comes to these kind of things. And so I think it's worth every cent of its 499 
Huh. If you haven't gotten around to buying Transmit for your iOS device and you were thinking about it, you can get them as a bundle and you save a dollar. So I instead, of, instead of $14, it's $13 for the two. That's you know, a good price for two high-quality apps. So I'm going to ask you a really dumb question. You're sitting there oh, with well. your iPad, you're at work, you're on the Wi-Fi network with your iPad, and you can use uh, you can use Prompt to SSH into your servers from there. Uh, well, actually, so imagine I'm traveling, I'm not anywhere near a real computer, because I will always prefer to use a real QWERTY keyboard for SSH. Sure. So I'm out, I'm away. I'm somewhere. I'm at a conference. I'm God knows where. I could be in the air on Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. and I something has broken. Magic smoke has come out of something, or something has crashed. I need to go in and fix something. Step one: a VPN into work. Okay. And iOS can VPN just fine. Mm-hmm. Step two: okay. SSH to server. <laughs> it, it wouldn't work without step one because we're not that insecure. <laughs> I guess that was a stupid question. No, there are no, 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 no but questions. my own servers, right? My own web server is accessible from anywhere, so I could just SSH straight to it from my iPad. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Or my iPhone. It's a universal app, I should say. Right, now, right, I re- right. Good I, point. I much prefer a QWERTY keyboard. I'll tolerate an iPad. It'd want to be a serious emergency before I get my iPhone out to SSH. <laughs> just saying. Well, that's because you like those little itty-bitty phones. <laughs> Maybe on iPhone I 6 do. Plus, yes. you never know. No. <laughs> and then the final one I should mention is probably the one I've used for the most years, but I don't use very often these days because I hate Windows, is Putty, P-U-T-T-Y, which is a Windows client that has been around forever. In fact, their website looks like someone teleported from the 1980s. <laughs> not even the 90s, this is 80s. It is white text on a black background. There is not an image in sight. <laughs> it's the most old-fashioned thing you ever see. But it's a lovely little SSH GUI, and of course Windows doesn't even have SSH by default, so it's the GUI and the actual SSH libraries all in one. And what's really great is there's no installer. It's just putty.exe. Just put it somewhere you like, even a thumb drive, and click on it. Ah. And there you go. It is an old self-contained putty.exe. It's lovely. And the same people, so it's an open source project as well, so it's free. And the same people also have, because Windows doesn't have secure copy, SCP, or uh, SFTP. So there's actually a pscp.exe and a psftp.exe to give you SCP and SFTP on your DOS prompt. And also a pagent.exe to give you SSH agent for saving your passwords on Windows. Hmm. So again, lovely little project. And you can download it all from the PuTTY download page. So they are the clients I actually use. Those are great recommendations. I like that you gave uh, kind of a variety there in keeping our, our Windows brethren involved as well. And, you know, as much as I avoid using Windows computers, it happens. And there's and people who like them. I know. I know. I'm just saying from my point of view. <laughs> no accounting for taste, but no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Even more mean than I was. Yeah, I did, Chris. <laughs> uh, you know, but when I'm there, I need to SSH and Putty is fantastic. I think I so, actually used Putty back in the day. Putty. Sure you did. Yeah, almost every nerd has puttied at some stage. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Putty's a verb now. Puttied. I think it is. All right. So at this stage, we've wrapped up our SSHing. So we now know how to do passwordless authentication. We know how to use config files to save ourselves from typing. We can run commands remotely. We can transfer files. We can do an awful lot all through the magic of SSH. And so we're, we're done with SSH now. I think, we've, I think we've given it a good go. We've run it through, huh? We have, you know, we, we, we've looked at all, you know, it does more, but really this is the stuff you're going to need. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was fun. Yeah. So, zooming back a bit, 
to the bigger picture. So this this SSH subseries is sitting within our bigger networking series. Mm-hmm. And in that networking series, we've been making our way through the stacks and the protocol. And so SSH was the first of the layer four protocols or the application layer protocols that we've really gotten stuck into. And boy, how did we get stuck into it? <laughs> so we're leaving SSH, but we're not leaving the application layer. So we're going oh, out of SSH and stepping sideways, staying in the same big picture zone, which is application layer networking stuff. And in the next installment, we're going to look at terminal commands for talking HTTP and HTTPS. Because we don't tend to think of the web as being a texty, terminally thing, but it can be. And so that is where we're going next. That sounds like fun. I've, I've really enjoyed the SSH series. I'm not sure I have a daily need for it, but I've, uh, I've enjoyed the learning. It's really, really cool. This was fun. Excellent. Okay, well, I think that's where we, we leave it for today. Um, I presume two weeks, the usual rotation? I believe so, last I checked. Hey, okay, we didn't well, even go over time. Wow. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, Bart. so until two weeks from now, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. <laughs>